0: turn on the equalizer. Boom, boom. We're rolling. Okay, we're rolling. And rolling here. Here we go. Welcome to the God of Honeybees podcast. I'm glad you're here. show today is Jayadev, founder of the Ananda Yoga Academy of Europe. He teaches Kriya Yoga and is the author of books on Hatha Yoga, Kriya Yoga, and the chakras. Jayadev has trained hundreds of yoga teachers and gives seminars throughout Italy and leads pilgrimages to the Himalayas. Jayadev, thanks for being on the show with us today. We are really looking forward to it.
1: Thank you very much for having, having me. I also am looking forward to it.
0: <laughs> Great. So this um, This episode, like we said, is we're kind of wanting to focus on the idea of karma um, and specifically the way karma relates to the concept of free will. Um, But to start things off, I wondered if you might let us know, like I've I've been reading through some of your answers on the Ananda website to people that post questions. And obviously karma seems to like come up quite a bit. You've, You've had to answer a number of questions about that. And I wondered if you might just give us a little bit of back, your backstory, and what was kind of like the catalyst moment for you to start looking at life through the lens of karma.
1: So, my life story is I have started already very young, relatively young to be a seeker, and I was trying to understand life. How is it possible that some people are so well off and have a nice life and others are absolutely in a terrible time and even as children is it possible that this is all just you know without any sense and rhyme and reason or is there a sense behind it and then I came to Yogananda's teachings and the Indian teachings and I found out that everything is like mathematics in this life according to these teachings, everything has a cause. A plus B is C. There is nothing that just happens somehow in, and is unjust. Everything is just natural consequence. And that gave a lot of sense to my own life, you know, what happened to me, where I am, my state of health, my state of my parents and everything. It is all self-created and that gave me so much you know, believe in the world itself and how it's set up. Because otherwise, I mean, you can't even believe in a higher intelligence because it's all so absolutely unjust what we see around us. So that's a little bit a short version of my story. Awesome.
0: And then so you you coming across Yogananda's uh, teachings would would be that kind of catalyst moment that changed things for you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I was actually a total atheist, and but his book, Autobiography of a Yogi, really deeply resonated in me, and I felt that there is a man who knows what he's saying. It's not just philosophy. And I got into it, and that whole concept opened my mind to a just world and a beautiful world, and a world guided by a higher intelligence. So, yes.
0: Wonderful. All right. Uh
1: so I think the
2: next thing is I think karma is one of those terms that has been co-opted so many times that it kind of loses its its meaning when people use it so often and maybe uh maybe just in, in the wrong context. Uh would you be able to to give us kind of an idea of what karma is and how it pertains to us and your your belief?
1: Okay. Karma basically is the same law that exists also in science, which is the second uh, law of Newton, where he says every motion in the universe has a direct and opposite uh, motion in the opposite direction. And so the law of karma, as it was taught to me, is that everything that goes out from you is like a boomerang. It is not something separate or something that loses itself, but it just comes back to you. And that means everything you think will have, even because thought is also a force, they say it's a thing, an energy goes out and that kind of thought will come back to you as a mathematical necessity and words and actions, whatever you think and do, comes back to you basically and so whatever you find yourself in in this life is all completely self-created we are the creators of the destiny of our life we have created our life as it is now everything from health to abilities to to what happens to us which seems so fortunate or unfortunate nothing is fortunate unfortunate it's just the mathematical reaction of what we ourselves have done. So that places responsibility of life totally in your hands. Most people, you know, go to psychologists and say, Oh, my mother treated me like this, or this happened to me. I was mis, you know, uh, I was dealt with so badly, and so on. But why, the yogis ask, this happened to you, this parent, and whatever. Because you earlier on did that same thing. And so when something really bad happens to you, it is a moment of learning, okay, I never ever want to behave myself like that. Because what happens to me now is a consequence of what I myself did in the past. And now I have to learn that is not the way to do ever something to someone else our own tendency is if somebody hits us in the face to say okay now I'll I'm full of aggression now I hit the next person into the face that just means that the circle goes on and on and on except we have to learn okay I should not hit somebody in the face that happened to me because of a reason and I want to learn from it that's let's say one basic aspect of karma I hope that was satisfying
2: mm-hmm.
0: absolutely thank you um in your personal experience looking at karma and life in this way um when something that we would often perceive as negative uh mm-hmm. happens to you do you look at it as as like this is just showing me how i should not move through the world or does karma bring about like are you looking at it like I must have done something in the past to have made this happen?
1: Okay, this is a very good question because karma, the thought of karma, can very easily appear like punishment. Oh, I did it happen and I was a bad person and, and so it's a punishment that I receive. And that would be really the wrong approach to it all. The approach is, It is all good. All these things are karma, but it should be seen as a positive school. This happens to me. According to Yogananda, at least, these things happen so that we learn from it how to behave in the future and also to pull out positive qualities from inside of us. Everything that happens, the negative stuff, the bad things and the tough times, they are all good in reality. Karma sounds so negative, but it's... All good in reality because it pushes us to evolve all the bad so-called bad stuff that happens all happens for our best according to these teachings of Yogananda because it really brings us to to develop and pull out our soul qualities we are all a soul Uh, not a body but a soul and that soul is in evolution and in growth And so everything happens to sort of teach us again and find back the qualities of our soul. Otherwise, we are stuck with the qualities of our ego, and they are not always that great. And uh, life goes on, and we do things that, again, have karmic consequences. But if we learn from these lessons, from the so-called negative or bad things that happen we are slowly, slowly evolving, and life becomes better and better and better.
0: And before we get in, kind of into the weeds of uh, uh, free will and karma, I was wondering the one thing I've I've really never quite understood about it was is um, is karma seen as because you you were referring to it as like a, almost like a mathematical principle? Is it something essentially naturally occurring, like? chlorophyll in plant leaves, or is it a structure brought about by a, a divine deity?
1: No, it's just like chlorophyll. It's just like a law of nature that nothing goes out from you that doesn't come back to you. It's at least as I have learned it from my teachers and so on is it's absolutely mathematical, it's a science. There is nothing a deity that says, okay, you did this and now that will happen to you. It's totally impersonal, it's a a law, yes.
0: I see, okay, okay. Um, Well, so the one detail that I think uh, gets a little bit tricky in the realm of um, religion broadly um, is the concept of free will. Um, so my first question would be, would the concept of karma argue that, uh, free will is important because if I'm understanding it correctly, um, free will is basically what gives our choices their karmic weight, uh, because we use our agency to make certain choices and then those, they have karmic consequences, either good or bad. So how important is free will in the concept of karma?
1: In our teachings, and I just underline this because there are many different teachings and teachers and we want to respect them all, but in our teaching, free will is totally paramount. It's like one of the most important things. And we have to develop, actually, all of us, a very strong will. And we have to know what we want, which direction we go, how to behave, how to work on us, And with a free will, go in the direction we choose. That is uh, extremely essential in the teachings of Yogananda. It's a battle here on life. There is a battle between the good and the bad inside of us, the good and the bad in the world. Where am I in all that? How am I reacting? And the free will is just like a muscle that we really have to exercise and get stronger and stronger And only then can we, you know, really go forward and do what we are supposed to do. With a weak will, we will never go anywhere. We will never overcome our stuff and do what we are supposed to do. And change the mistakes. So, again, um, for Yogananda, it's one of the most important. And he had a wonderful principle. He said, the stronger the will, the stronger the flow of energy the weaker the will, the less there will be energy. But you need that strong energy just to go forward in the direction you have chosen. So uh,
2: while we've been thinking about the question of free will in terms of karma, uh, we came across a blog post of yours on the uh, is it Ananda website?
1: Yeah, ananda.org, yeah.
2: Uh, the the original question was, what kind of karma brings about murder and crime? Um, and this kind of directly relates to, uh, you know, general confusion regarding karma. Uh, we have two questions. And the first one, uh, we'd just like to talk about uh, your response to that question on the blog.
1: Yeah, I can't remember now. Can you repeat what I said there to be yeah. able to explain?
0: Yeah, I've got it pulled up here. So I'll read the question and then I'll read the answer since it's nice and kind of nice and concise. Um, The original question was, what type of karma does one have to invite tragic, uh, sudden accident or murder? We see little kids being raped, sodomized, brutally murdered. What kind of karma can possibly result in these types of death? Um, Does it mean that they must have caused a similar type of injury? to the responsible person in a different lifetime. And um, I think your first kind of, your two paragraphs here in your answer uh, kind of summed up what we were mainly focusing on. Um, You said, karma is a highly complex matter. What you see now is the result of countless actions in the past. It's impossible for a normal human mind to determine what exactly caused a violent death or being uh, being the victim of a crime. Only a true master can see it. Yes, it may be that the child now being raped, for example, has done the same thing in an earlier life, maybe a long time ago, as karma consequences seldom occur right away as an instant karma, but are delayed because of the cross currents of the ego, as Yogananda called it. However, it can also be that the child has erred in other ways. Maybe it's just allowed for such a thing to happen and now needs to learn never to do so again. So we wondered if you might just kind of expand on on that uh, response.
1: Yeah, because what I wanted to say there, it's not that easy. You know, you give somebody, a, you hit somebody, and so you will hit the the next moment. There's a it's a huge thing, karma. It's like a web of actions that we do in our life now, plus added uh, the actions we have done up till now, plus added. Uh, I don't know if everybody who listens to the, to the, this recording, but they talk about previous lives. And so all of that creates your future karma. And what I wanted to say is what exactly that person has done or not done is very difficult to understand if you don't have a vision that sees into into the other lives and that are the masters. Masters really can can look in past lives and can see it. And so who knows, something that person must have done, whatever it is, because nothing happens just because it happens. Everything is mathematics. It happens because he did something before. What that was exactly, if he he or she did exactly the same thing, or as I said, he allowed it to happen, and that also can be a great violence, to allow violence to happen. And one should never do that. I cannot tell. I'm not a master. Um, But if a master were there, people came to Yogananda, for example, and and said, I have that really mangled foot. What happened? And he looked back into the past lives and says, this is because you kicked your mother. And this, you know, who could have ever guessed that that, karmic consequence and yogananda said that happens to you now as a consequence so that you understand something inside never to do something like that again because kicking the mother was like kicking life itself the mother psychologically meant life that one that gives me life kicking the mother was like hitting the life-giving principle and so Having that mangled foot now, you will much more appreciate life, life itself. And that will never in the future allow you again to kick your mother. That was now a little bit difficult, that karmic circle. But just to make you understand, it's not that easy. Okay, Mm -hmm. Uh, I mangled the foot of somebody else or the leg of somebody else. Now I have a mangled leg. It's all very complex, but the basic principle is simply that you do something and it has a boomerang effect and that boomerang effect tries to teach you something yes
0: in relation to the scenario that we're uh in that uh, question on the blog post um this is kind of where we want to get in the weeds of of kind of the uh mechanisms also i apologize you can probably hear Um, Oliver crying in the background because we've got kind of thin walls and a very sensitive mic. So, Um, anyway, it's nice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In relation to that blog post, would the rapist in that scenario be acting on their own free will?
1: You know, we act by our free will, but we are all very much pushed by our past tendencies. We all create tendencies by what we are doing now, what we have done in the past. You repeat an action, you repeat an action, it becomes a habit. It becomes a pattern of behavior. So we do have free will, but we are heavily pushed by our past, past habits that we have created. So maybe that rapist has done it before. He has that pattern that pushes him, but he still has free will and he still has a mind and he still knows. Inwardly, we know what is right and what is wrong. He knows deep inside that is not correct. Everybody knows that, really. And so he has the choice still. Everybody has the choice to say, I won't get into it and I just I resist it. We all have it. And I don't exclude myself. We have impulses, maybe of violence or negativity, of this and that. But we have the ability to say, stop it. We have the ability to be unloyal or unfaithful and this and that. We all have it. But we have our mind and our clarity and our free will to say, stop. I have to stop it. I want to give my life a certain direction. And I want to do what I think is correct and good. And that is not easy always to follow that inner voice of conscience, you might say, or the inner voice, they would say, of the soul, what is correct. Much easier to follow the habits. It's a battle, Yung Ananda says. But if you win the battle, your life will become much, much better. If you lose the battle, again, a karmic consequence We'll come back, set up sort of a chain reaction that will bring you again into real bad trouble, and I hope we hope that sooner or later we learn from that real bad trouble, but yes, we have to direct our life with our clarity and free will as much as we can
0: so in light of that um again we're just gonna we're just gonna keep this scenario as a framework to discuss the rest of the questions um yes would the act of uh, you know the individual raping the child, does that make negative karmic debt for the rapist?
1: Absolutely. It, whatever you do, he creates a major debt. I mean, raping a child, there are many different layers of karma, but raping a child is really extremely violent and, and destructive. And so that builds up, a real heavy karmic debt that is out there, and it will hit that person in one way or another. he can't escape it we- can't, nobody can escape it. we maybe can escape the police, but we can't escape the universal law. it will hit us very strongly in one way or another. Uh, that's what they say, yeah,
0: yeah, so um then the the question that we run into um, as far as free will is concerned is now this might be based on misunderstanding on our part about karma, but um, from my own understanding, I, I've been uh, hearing that it's a balancing act, mathematic, like you're saying, mathematical kind of balancing things. Um, So I may I believe I read further down in your uh, response to that question that you know the this scenario um that the child is dealing with could be a result of who knows what maybe in past lives stuff like that and so this this negative incident um is maybe a repaying of the negative karmic debt from whatever they've done in the past yes. um so the idea that things might be, the debt might be repaid in certain ways indicates that balancing effect. And so what I'm curious about is if this child in the scenario has negative karmic debt, and this is why this incident is happening, um, to repay the karmic debt, balance it. And then we have the rapist that is basically forcing the scenario and thereby repaying the child 's karmic debt, yet he 's doing it of his own free will yes are we are we repaying karmic debt with karmic debt
1: Yes, uh, but the rapists the rapist builds up a new major karmic debt. he repays a karmic debt, but that doesn 't justify him he just makes his own life worse and his own karmic consequences worse it's true that for the child it is a karmic debt and he he created that for himself but i want to underline another, the same thing that i said in the beginning for the child it seems so horrible but many times if you look at look at the longer rhythms of life the most horrible parts of our life push us into an evolution that was necessary after some years, we can see, oh, God, that was really horrible. But it helped me to do this or helped me to go do that or helped me to strengthen myself or help me to grow. So it is never really only a karmic death, a really bad thing. But it's also really good what happens. I don't know if that makes sense because it sounds so unplausible. That's such a horrible act would uh, be something positive. But everything, according to Yogananda, everything that happens, happens for our best. And it's not meant to crush us or just punish us, but just to help us evolve in some way. And actually, he also says nothing happens to us that is bigger than what we can handle and what we can use to evolve. So, yes, the rapist pays a karmic debt of that child. And yes, he creates his own karmic debt even, even more and will unfortunately have to suffer really badly for it. But behind it, there is an intelligence and they say a positive intelligence. Nothing is just bad. It's all like a school. These things happen and the rapist will slowly learn and the child, through that, learns and evolves. So, karma. I just said it before, but karma sounds so negative or punishing or or heavy. But it's all guided. So, so it's all the setup of an intelligence, intelligent growing process for everyone.
0: Mm-hmm. Which I think is very important to point out. And uh, though the fact that. Um, that's one thing I've wondered is I noticed like in some of your blog posts, posts you reference God and in other uh, sources I've looked at regarding karma, they suggest that there's an intelligence that's organizing things, almost orchestrating these Mm -hmm. things. And that's Mm -hmm. what kind of led to our confusion about this scenario is that, is that um, why, why the intelligence would, allow for something like this to occur and we're wondering well does is the intelligence bringing about the rape of this child in this scenario or is it simply allowing for the circumstance to occur and my last part of the question you've already answered is that the the rapist is still incurring negative debt but what is orchestrating it
1: basically that intelligence, everything is intelligent behind all the atoms all around. It's all a play of intelligence. And in that intelligence, it's not that, that intelligence, I almost don't like the word God so much because it's so laden with, with everything. And so it's, I prefer intelligence, cosmic or universal intelligence. That, places us in that web of intelligence and in that web of intelligence in that in this world made by this intelligence there is darkness and light yogananda says uh, any film if you look if there were just light you couldn't have a film it, it's a play of light and darkness and many colors and that's the same here and in this film we are placed in, in the middle of it and we have that gift of free will and the divine intelligence allows for everything if you behave badly you can become worse in time than the than a terrible beast as a human being we have the possibility to become worse than the worst beast absolutely and we have the possibility to become shining more than a, any other creature So there's a huge spectrum of how we can become. And so here we are in the middle of it. The divine allows for everything because he gives free will. And if we behave in a sort of bad way and tune into the dark stuff and negative stuff, then we will have the karmic consequence. And slowly, slowly we all learn nobody is damned forever in, in Yogananda's teaching that eternal hellfire is totally absent. But it's just a school you learn and then slowly, slowly you grow. But it's allowing for it. It's not the divine who does that or 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 anything, but it's just set up like that. Everything is sort of intelligence in manifestation and guided by intelligence. And you can cooperate in this film of creation with the dark energy and the, or the light energy, both are very present. And that's how the thing goes. And if we believe it or not believe it, if these teachings are correct, we, there is not even important what you believe, it's important what you do. Because what you do comes back to you. And if you behave in a dark way, negative way, you will have the consequence and you have slowly, slowly to learn. And behind it all, that's the big difference, um, philosophical difference between materialists and sort of, I don't know, spiritualists. The spiritualists say that behind everything is that intelligence and it's orchestrated or all created by intelligence. And the materialists say everything is just matter and it's just by chance that everything happens. There's no sense and reason behind it. And the yogis say, yeah, no, there is a consciousness and intelligence behind it all.
0: Yeah. Makes sense.
1: Yeah. And so
2: kind of still walking along that same scenario, what kind of if if somebody came along and was able to step in and stop the child rape, how would that play out in regards to karma? Because then, you know, if it was because the child, you know, needed to learn or did something that now they deserve this in this life you know how would that end up playing out if someone stepped in and stopped it and then in regards to the rapist who now can't commit that act uh how kind of how would karma play with with that scenario
1: it can be that the child had that bad karma to be attacked but had also some good karma to be saved because he or she also saved somebody or helped somebody so or it can be that the child still needs to go through other violence it's just to you know conclude that circle um because it hasn't yet learned so it's very difficult to it's very difficult to say maybe the thing is gone because The karmic debt is paid off even while that savior came in. Or it can be, well, it's still there. This energy is still alive. The energy is still going. And it will again be catapulted into a similar situation. It's very difficult to answer. But both both things are possible.
0: I see. Okay, um, so moving on from this scenario, um, in another one of your answers to a question um, regarding the death of Kobe Bryant on the Ananda website, um, you say that things never come to crush us, like you've been uh, suggesting already, but always to teach us. Um, and I think this kind of gets to the root issue that. Um, I guess I could say many people have with karma, at least in Jeremy and I's experience when we hear people discussing karma, this is a concern that comes up. Um, which is uh they argue that it could lead to followers not really being interested in helping those less fortunate because they may see it, you know, whoever we're talking about their situation as a result of karma from whatever whatever could have brought it about. So linking this with the questions on the Ananda page would Um, would karma dictate that, for example, the child being raped in the previous example, the death of Kobe Bryant and the helicopter crash, simply be a lesson for someone involved? Um, And then if that is the case, do we bear any responsibility uh, for stopping these kind of catastrophic events?
1: This is a really good question because so easily, as you just said, people... Who have that mindset of karma say well it's just your karma and you get cold-hearted and you don't help somebody f- falls in a ditch and you say oh have fun there uh it's your karma i don't care and if you do that non-helping when you are supposed to help or when you can help is again a re- not a good karma for you because then you have to fall yourself in that ditch and 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 not help, or if you have money, some wealth, and there are, and you don't share any of it, they say if you don't give, you know the yogic teachings talk about ten percent or just give something to needy and so on, because you are sort of greedy and and so on, that will mean that you yourself will end up poor and nobody will help you, and so. Everybody, when you are in a situation and you can help, and it's necessary for you to help, and your sort of your soul instinct would say, "I need to help here. I need to do something about it," and you don't do it, that again is no good karma for you. I don't know. I think I missed a part of the question now, but I can't remember now.
0: No, I think I think you've answered it. I mean, the the general thing is, like you said, the the um, idea that like well believing in karma leads to this kind of apathy of like well it's just your karma but if I'm understanding you correctly you're saying that if you know that you ought to be helping somebody and yes, you don't then that is it. negative karma for you yeah.
1: even non-activity is, is uh, can be a, a karma can be a, a bad karma also for example I mean I don't know what you think about it or not, but there are situations for Yogananda says that you are called to action, even to violent action. For example, somebody comes into a restaurant and wants to kill everybody, and you have the chance to kill him before. And if you don't do it because you think uh, no, nonviolence and so on, you don't do it, by your non-action, you create a much bigger violence, which is everybody gets killed. And that's a very heavy karma on your side. So sometimes even, let's say, violent action is the right action. And then you don't have karmic burden because you, you did what was correct to do. And actually, Yogananda says, in such cases, you have good karma you will be helped you next time you will be saved next time because you were courageous in that in that moment so it's all not so easy sometimes you know people go even to war uh, according to yogananda there are righteous wars if for example a very negative uh, dark force wants to invade america let's say and the americans don't if the men don't defend in the name of non-violence and spirituality, Yogananda actually says it's bad karma. Because if it is correct to defend the people and your country, which is a higher country than, uh, let's say, a dictator or some, some something dark or negative, and you don't defend it, uh, it's a bad, bad karma for you. So uh, sometimes even going to war or stopping somebody violently because he wants to make a big disaster somewhere is the correct thing to do. And it's good karma. Of course, that kind of argument too can be misused. I'm doing, I'm doing something violent and your motives aren't that pure and aren't to defend something noble and good. Sure. But, just to tell you it's not all not that easy and we have to absolutely not can't fall into that thought oh i uh i can't help people i can't help society i can't help the one that is drowning even if i could because then you will be in that same situation unfortunately
0: right so uh this kind of makes me think of uh, i know jeremy and i have talked about it before um that we have limited you know, cultural understanding, but like the caste system in India, for example, um, that's often a thing that's brought up in, I guess, a rebuttal to the idea of karma. But uh, if I'm understanding you correctly, would you argue that the caste system represents a misunderstanding of the concept of karma?
1: Yeah, it's it's uh, horrible. According to Yogananda, the whole caste system is total misunderstanding of Indian and Vedic culture. It wasn't like that at all in in uh, ancient India, you could go from one caste to the other. It all had to do with your evolution. It just had to do with where are you right now. Um, in your evolution, you're sort of a, you know, I can't explain now all the caste, but how do you behave? What is your motivation? If it's really low and egoistic, it's the lowest caste and so on, up till the Brahmin highest caste where you try to be just the channel for the divine intelligence and so on. And you could move from one to the other, and actually you were supposed, it was a road map, they said, to to do your next step of evolution. And nowadays, it's just your karma, you're stuck in the shudra caste or outcast, or no caste, you know, out of all castes and all lifelong. They stick you there, and you can't do this, and you can't do that, and it's it's really, really bad misunderstanding. And Great masters like Yogananda, but many others also work totally work against it, like Gandhi and and many others because it's pretty bad that caste system.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. Um Jeremy, I had one other uh one other specific question uh for Jayadev. Um did you have any other questions that you thought of on, as we're going you wanted to ask? Uh
2: yeah, so just in in relation to uh, you know not acting as opposed to acting, you know, to help somebody out. Is it possible then, with your own free will, to put out such energy to basically almost constantly try to help people where karma is stepping in and teaching them a lesson, and you you're tr- trying yourself to step in and stop whatever suffering's coming. Is it possible for you to put out enough energy in doing that that you can kind of cancel out that that karma that's coming to them? Or yes, is it? Are you
0: saying, are you saying like um, you could be trying so hard to do the right thing that you're almost inhibiting the karmic lessons that are right. supposed to be okay? Yeah. Right.
1: You know, they uh, they say in the spiritual path that sometimes it is correct to act and to help and sometimes not. For example, if somebody goes uh, to the dentist and you know it will hurt that person, but your inner, it's not even great wisdom, but you know it's good for that person. And so you don't step in. That person will suffer. The, the tooth will have to be pulled out in the dentist, and you don't step in. And other times it's correct to step in. So not always when you see things happen, it's it's your duty. They In India they talk about dharma, correct action. Not always it's the dharma or the correct action to step in. And sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. You can't protect also your children. You can't protect them from everything, and you can't save everyone. And so you have to understand, and that comes from insight, and that comes from meditation really, what is correct to do? What is the, where should I step in? Or where should I could get politically involved and where not really? What is my personal duty and dharma? What to do, what not to do? And nobody can answer it for you because it's all very individual, and you have just to feel, they call it inner guidance. What is correct to do? And then even if you don't do the correct thing, because we will all make mistakes in understanding our inner guidance, they say karma depends very much from our intention. Even if you do a wrong thing, but with good intention, the karma is not, incurring is not bad. Because intention is what really uh, is the motor really of, of, uh, of karma. So you have to see, okay, I can't help everyone. I just don't have the energy to help everyone. What should I do? Uh, Maybe if my brother is in real bad need, it is very probable that you should help. But even there, maybe that's perfect for for him. They say even, you know, the great masters, they don't help all the time. Somebody is in real bad sickness, he could heal him but he doesn't because that sickness is good for him. And the other one is in real bad sickness, and this great yogi heals him because he can, because he feels the inner guidance to do so. So life is not so easy. There are many things that we could do where we could help and where we could step in. But is it the right thing for me to do? Is it my duty? Is it my my dharma? as they say, to step in and to do yes or no, nobody can answer it for you. You have to see for yourself what feels right, what feels like I should do, what feels I shouldn't do. And that means also not to judge others. Whatever maybe what is correct for you to do is not correct for the others. You know, maybe you are called for a good cause. Somebody else has a different dharma, they say. And it's not called for that good cause. And we should just respect everybody has his own inner guidance and his own inner duty and dharma, and it can be really different one from the other. And one should maybe step in and help. One should learn to not step in, you know. There is a story of a great master called Ramakrishna and a disciple to get to his ashram, you had to cross a river, and uh, the boatman really hated that Ramakrishna because he was a little crazy, crazy master, and that disciple got really angry at that boatman who was talking so badly against his master, and he said, "One more word, and I'll hit you hard, and you'll you'll get you'll uh, smash you out of this boat." And when he came over, when he came to the master, the master had long vision and he could see it from afar, what had happened. And he said, you should never talk like that. When will you understand It's Your duty and karma and dharma, correct action, is not to get so angry and aggressive. How many times should I tell you? And then the next disciple came, same situation. That boatman again talked so badly about the master. And that person, just that disciple, just didn't say anything peacefully. And again, when the disciple came to the master who had seen what had happened, he got really badly scolded. And he said, How many times do I have to tell you that if somebody offends your master, you have to stand up for him? You have to be loyal in what you believe in. Will you always just except when somebody's talking so badly against me, stand up on your feet and defend the cause you believe in. And so the message for both was totally different, 180 degrees different. But for one, that is right. And for the other, that is right. And that's how it is for all of us. Just have to understand from inside what is the correct correct action for us.
0: Right, that yeah. makes sense. I think that really clears it up. That the, yeah. uh, example. Um, so, as far as because you were saying that we have to learn to like, I guess, discern when we need to step in and do something and take action, and when we don't. And so, uh, one follow-up question to that is: what What do we need to do to in order uh, to be able to discern that? Because from an outsider's perspective. Um. You know, if you, if you have any type of ability to stop, going back to our previous example, uh, the rape of a child, um, the crashing of a helicopter, or if you can cure someone when they're sick and you don't, um, without being, without an understanding of this framework, that would look very, um, very wrong to not take those actions. Um, so how are we supposed to discern it um, to know what to do?
1: Well, these three scenarios, I think, almost in all cases, it would be the correct, I mean, I can't imagine that the correct uh, action for anybody would be not to help that child or that save that helicopter or, you know, with the sickness, it's a little bit more difficult. But in most times, if you can help to heal, it's, uh, it's the right thing. Yeah, I think everybody would from inside feel I have to, if I can help this tr- real tragedy, I, I will do it. And I feel that's correct. But many times our life is not that tragic. I mean, there are many actions and situations that are sort of medium bad or medium. And then we have to see, And how do we discern in normal life what to do and what not to do? And that's why the masters teach meditation, because that inner soul knowledge, what is right and what is wrong, talks sort of like intuitively to us. And we have to get somewhat silent, at least, just to feel. Does that feel right? Does that feel wrong? And if we're always agitated and running and doing We don't feel what comes from deep inside. And that's why they say meditate. And after meditation, there is a technique. You look at the point between the eyebrows, you know, spiritual eye, and you ask, is that correct to do? And then you go to the heart center. It's called Anahata Chakra. And you feel in the heart, in the center of feeling, is that a correct thing for me to do? And then you do your best. You just try to feel it but it shouldn't come from agitation. I need to do that, or I absolutely don't want to do that, or it's not, I is sort of. And this is why they say every day we should be trying to calm ourselves because inwardly when we are a little bit more silent, we can feel more and more clearly this is good to do, that is not good to do. And I think most of the time then, If we do that, at least a little bit of meditation every day, this inner feeling of what is correct, what is not correct, gets clearer and clearer. Even things like, I should marry this woman or I should not marry this woman. Um, It's best not to be guided only by agitation, that I'm in love and all this, but is that correct or is that not correct? answer from a deep deeper inner silence space and then we'll do the correct action the correct action for our life so that's how they say how we deserve, discern by intuition that comes from silence daily silence which is difficult for most people but it's it can help us to avoid many costly mistakes let's say like that yeah yeah that makes sense um so I just had one uh, one final
0: question um, there's this concept that I've been bumping up to a uh, uh, bumping up against lately that's called a naturalistic fallacy, which um, argues that just because something is natural uh naturally occurring it's good um, This comes up a lot in the discussions around how to stop the coronavirus and all these kinds of things um, and one thing that kind of just personally, my my most confusing um, aspect about karma is, um, let's say, for example, you know, Jeremy, if I were to tell you that, well, in a past life um, or prior to this incarnation, you agreed to, like, be, be my servant because maybe I was your servant in, the, in another life. Um, and then you're just expected to kind of uh accept accept the reality of something that you don't have a conscious awareness of um i feel like is is a bit of a a violation of free will so my my struggle with the idea of karma is that um you know if something really tragic happens to me in this life and mm-hmm. i'm told you know, it it could be a potential, uh, potentially something from another life, or a master tells me it is specifically this event in a past life. Um, Since I don't hold the memory of that past life, or, you know, knowledge of what I did to bring this about, Mm -hmm. that being karmic like karmic retribution on me now almost feels like a violation of my free will because I don't I don't know that. I don't know that I did that stuff in the past life. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit troubling for me to try to adhere to that mm-hmm. based on just someone else telling me that that was a past life incident.
1: Yeah. In the end it cut it boils down to I mean what you believe in. Whatever I say i believe in yogananda says it but if you believe in if you believe in it I, we can't prove it we can't mathematically or scientifically prove that that the law of, uh of karma is correct if you believe in it when something happens to you you say okay there is a reason for it and then you don't know why this that happened and it feels like a violation but the yogis are taught to say then not okay, I can't understand why it came, but I can understand the logic that it comes to me to teach me something. And I understand I always ask I ask myself, what am I supposed to learn? They say say yes to life is a very big formula. Say yes to life, even to the bad things. And yes, because you learn something to it and something really terrible happened, okay. It is terrible, but in the end it is something good for me to learn what is it that I have to learn through it. I say yes to it. And so it's a little bit in that way, a little bit less of a violation. Of course, it feels like a violation because we don't know that seems so unjust and so bad. Why does this happen? But it boils down to believe and trust. Trust that there is a higher intelligence and that there is a justice behind all that. And there was another question with a, you know, because it happened, it, it is natural, so it's it's good. That yogis wouldn't totally uh, agree. In nature, they'd say there are three qualities and they are called the three gunas. One is, you can imagine, very light and bright. It's the sattva guna. Then there's, you can imagine like a red light, activating light. It's called Rajaguna, and then there is something very black in this world, which is called Tamas or Tamoguna. And so many things happen, and also influence under the influence of Tamoguna, really all almost diabolic or negative, uh, all around and everywhere. And just because it happens, it might be, and some people say it that this virus, this coronavirus, is really a force of a negative force, is a really destructive force and is under, under the intelligence of the negative force, under that black force, because these three things are, are sort of, everything is intelligent in the world. Also, these, these three forces, so just because it happens naturally doesn't mean it's good, it can be horrible and it can actually but be under a real dark intelligence you know yeah yeah Just, yeah yes that's okay i hope it makes sense what i said <laughs>
0: yeah yeah i think i was following um th- so that i think jamey was that, there was anything else that you uh had you wanted to bring up
2: uh i don't have anything else. I appreciate uh you coming on and uh you know giving answers to all these questions that we have and you know kind of going more in depth into helping us to understand uh karma I
1: mm-hmm. okay i'm very happy and i i hope i hope people also i said it clearly enough because the whole thing really really is a is a good concept a concept that says yes to life and a concept that totally places your life in your own hands what you do to, today will create your tomorrow and the more you go with your free will in the direction of your soul which is a beautiful thing our soul and guided by the correct action action the better our future will be we are the creators of our own lives and we've always been Right now, we are eating the soup that we have cooked earlier on. And tomorrow, we'll eat the soup that we are cooking today. And that gives so much freedom to yourself to say, okay, I will do my best to create a beautiful tomorrow. And if we understand it in that way, karma is a beautiful concept and a yes to life concept and a yes to my own future concept. And it's not my mother and it's not, my parents, and it's not the government that gives me that hard time or or that bad situation, but everything is self-created. And if we understand it, it's tough because the ego doesn't like it very much to say I'm responsible for everything. Much easier to say everybody else's fault. Mm -hmm. But I create my own future from today on, and I've created my today in the past It's just so beautiful and freeing and asks us to correct action. And if everybody would follow that correct action, guided from inside, from the inner voice life would become much, much, much better everywhere.
0: Awesome. Well, I pre we both really appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to hop on here and answer these kind of, kind of deep weeds questions about it. But, um, like Jeremy said, I think you cleared it up pretty well. Um, so we really appreciate you taking the time.
1: Thank you for doing what you're doing, spreading good things around. You know, every every effort like that is really good. And if you are spreading good things, I can I can tell you, if these teachings are true, you will have a good reward from it. You know, every positive light that goes out from you, message that comes out from you, will come back to you and it will be a very nice effect for, from what you're doing right now.
0: Fantastic. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, hopefully that good stuff comes back around for us.
1: Yeah, it will. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Dev, thanks again. We really appreciate it. Um, stay safe and I will send you an email with the link to this episode once it's, uh, once it's live.
1: Okay. Thank you and keep up the good work. Thank you. Thanks again. Thank you. Bye.